Hey, and uh, welcome to Procrasticast, episode two. I'm Dan. And I'm Ethan. And we're recording this in Vancouver, BC. It's Friday, October 29th, 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Ethan, how's your week going? Um, it's going pretty good. Uh, I've got this weird cough that I haven't been able to figure out like what the problem is. I actually mm-hmm. went to the doctor this morning, and they basically said to come back in three weeks. Because apparently, and I didn't know this, um, a cough is only like worrisome if you have it for more than six weeks, which seems like a really oh, long okay. time. Um, and I've only had mine for three. Mm-hmm. So it's been kind of frustrating just because, you know, you're coughing consistently for three weeks. And, and they can't, like, a doctor's not going to give you anything. No, they say, it. like, you're basically, like, perfectly healthy. Yeah. But come back in three weeks if you still feel oh, sick. Oh, that's annoying. I just find that very confusing. Yeah. Um, other than that, everything is <laughs> great, fine. but I may be coughing a little bit in this episode. Hopefully not. I'll okay, try to, well, we'll try forgive you. Yeah. How was your week, though? Uh, pretty good. I mean, pretty busy. Mm-hmm. I just got done marking a bunch of exams for a class that I ta4 so oh, okay but now i'm i'm excited to have this conversation without that looming over my head so so what yeah. kind of work does that involve ta it's just um for me i mean you can ta in in terms of like actually teaching the course or you can ta in terms of teaching the course and marking stuff and i just mark okay exams so yeah cool but it's so, nice yeah yeah it's helping easy. the kids exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. part of the education system so to start it off, Ethan. Yes. Did you hear about The Walking Dead over this past week? Did you see it online? Did you see news articles about it? I heard many rumblings about this. I personally don't watch The Walking Dead, yep. so I don't know what all the hubbub was about. Yep. Um, but I understand that there was quite a hubbub, and <laughs> uh, part of it was due to just, a, I guess, kind of an unexpected plot twist. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, so I used to watch The Walking Dead, so I understand, you know, the concept of it and a lot of the characters and things mm-hmm. like that. And so when all this uh, Walking Dead stuff came online, I, I read about it because I was curious to know what was happening. And it got me thinking just about stuff for us to talk about this week uh, and a couple topics that I think would be fun for us to cover. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one being the idea of spoiler culture. And uh, spoilers yes. online, and uh, you know what is a spoiler, and things like that. Mm-hmm. And then another thing, especially with The Walking Dead specifically, and looking at spoilers there, The Walking Dead is an adaptation yeah. of a comic book series. And I thought, well, that's another interesting thing because I found The Walking Dead to be not an um, not a great adaptation, and it was something that mm-hmm. I fell off with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and but there are other things adaptations that I love, totally. and I thought that was another interesting topic for us yes. to discuss this so week too. We won't spoil the book adaptations no. discussion. We will start with the spoiler culture. Yeah. Um. And I guess with that in mind, um, we should say just at the start of this that we have to have a spoiler alert <laughs> on the episode because we're going to be talking about things that have been spoiled for us, and yeah. so naturally there may be some things that we talk about that could potentially spoil it for other people yeah but i think we'll do a good job of not spoiling things that are pretty recent yeah spoilers, like you know? and we'll and we're going to talk about this but uh, most of the stuff we're talking about would be kind of a dated spoiler like yeah. it's, it's very old so you don't have to worry too much but uh we will try to at least give you a heads up that this is what we're about to talk about in for case sure. for some reason the uh the media that we're about to discuss is brand new to you yeah Okay, well then let's jump into it. Yeah. I mean, Ethan, have you been spoiled before? Yes, of course. I mean, as a young person living in the era 2015, um, not era, year, <laughs> the year 2015, I think 
being spoiled is kind of almost an inevitable thing for someone our age to experience. Yeah. Um, especially because we were kind of like at the at the dawn of spoiler culture in some ways. I mean, it's, I, I think you can argue that spoilers have been happening for a long time, but I don't think that it's ever been so much of a prevalent widespread issue as it is uh, currently. Yeah, no, yeah. I agree with that totally. Um, do you have any examples of uh, something, anything you were spoiled with? Yeah, um, the, the biggest example would probably be that I, off the top of my head would be when Dumbledore died in Harry Potter. So you didn't give a warning for I that didn't one. Give a warning. <laughs> all, our, our few listeners are all just panicking right yeah. now. Um, yeah, so I remember exactly where I was when I found out about that, and it was unfortunately not in uh, the confines of my bedroom reading the book. Right. It was at a, uh, a swim practice, and one of the older kids came up and was like, yeah, Dumbledore dies what do you think about that kids are evil like yeah i don't know if it was malicious at the time i mean in hindsight it feels malicious just because it's like the book had only been out for like 24 hours or something like that like it was not a long time yeah um and yeah i remember being pretty shocked and kind of experiencing the wide range of or array of emotions that comes when something gets spoiled for you yeah. Um, but how about you? Have you been spoiled before? Well, you just reminded me of when I was spoiled for the death of Dumbledore, which I feel like was maybe a rite of passage for lots of <sighs> kids our age. I feel like it's uh, either <laughs> you were lucky and you were the spoilee, or you were the spoiler. Yeah. And the spoilers had a way better time than the spoilees because we had stuff ruined for us, whereas they exactly. got to know everything and just have the option of like ruining our lives yeah yeah and mm-hmm. well that, that's an interesting situation because i think that was a pretty widely spoiled thing though you know yeah. there weren't as many people spoiling as there were people getting spoiled because i think there were some bad apples who you know mm-hmm. really spread this around i remember reading uh, news articles of people driving by the lines of sort of outside of stores at the midnight releases of Harry Potter and yelling out that Dumbledore died to a bunch of kids or, you know, everyone in line. People are the worst. For every single person who, like, donates to charity, there's some guy who decides it's funny to ruin kids' days, which just is uh, very disappointing. So I guess before we kind of delve any further, we should kind of try to figure out, like, what our terms are. So we know that, like, we know that we both experience being spoiled or mm-hmm. spoilers um but what like makes a spoiler for you like what do you think a spoiler consists of right okay so i think it's two things mm-hmm. and, and that's not obviously that's i think it's one the content of mm-hmm. what is being spoiled obviously so i mean yeah if there's a big death if there's a plot twist if whatever that's like the content of the actual event that's uh, that can be spoiled and that's one type of spoiler but then there's another type of spoiler that I think is when you even know that there's a spoiler, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that just knowing that there's going to be a plot twist or knowing that someone's going to die, even if you don't know who it is, mm-hmm. that can be a, a spoiler in itself. And would you agree with that? Yeah, um, I agree with all that. So it kind of seems to me that when it comes to spoilers, it really just seems to be a combination of like information with the passage of time like if you had an equation on a board it'd be mm, like spoilers mm-hmm. are equal to info plus time and then i guess essentially it's like the less time that has passed the more spoilerish it is yeah so yeah there's definitely like 
there's what can be spoiled, but then, um, yeah, there is a point when this information, either the fact that there is a big twist or the specifics about the twist, mm -hmm. that becomes generally accepted as something that can be talked about in public, and yeah. then it's not a spoiler anymore. Right. And so I agree with that equation That's, you put out. Yeah, and actually there might even be another element to the equation, which is that generally I find that spoilery things happen predominantly in, like, big event media right mm -hmm. i think that obviously you can have spoilers at like a lower level but i think that the need for spoiler alerts and the idea of something actually being spoiled definitely seems to apply more to like big event media either yeah. like books or movies or whatever i think that it's like it has to be something that a lot of people care about mm-hmm and I think that it's kind of interesting if you think about it just because it, uh, the numbers matter more because there's more opportunities for things to be spoiled with like a big ticket event. If, it's, right. if people don't care about it as much, the odds of it getting ruined for you are slimmer. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I think those are, if we're like thinking about what a spoiler is, yeah. those are our parameters. Yeah. That we're like that's kind of what working we mean within. when yeah. we're talking about this. Mm -hmm. So why do people post spoilers online? I mean, that's a good question mm -hmm. because you, I see spoilers online and I think like, what the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. Like, why would you be that selfish that you would ruin this for someone else? Mm -hmm. But then... Do they have a warning on them at least? Or I mean, it... I've seen both. Okay. Right? I was spoiled for a big event in Game of Thrones, a oh. certain wedding one, one time back in the day. And I, I can remember who did it on mm -hmm. my Facebook feed. And it, there was absolutely no spoiler warning, uh, and that's a huge... Uh, see, you I, know, find that, I find this to maybe be the most interesting part of the whole idea of spoiler culture, is, like, the etiquette around it. Right. And the etiquette... The idea that there's etiquette revolving around how we consume entertainment, I find, is a very mm -hmm. interesting idea. So, yeah. obviously, I think the courtesy is to do a spoiler alert, and that allows people to choose what information is presented to them. Yes. I think that... That is the courtesy, but I also think if I see something that says, you know, spoiler alert for The Walking mm -hmm. Dead, and then they write it out, I understand that it's then your fault if you continue reading, mm -hmm. but it's also so easily accessible and it just is. right there that I think you can either accidentally keep reading because you just kind of just, you know, you're just reading and not really thinking about mm -hmm. it, or... You know, there's some part of you that want, is so curious about knowing what's going to happen mm -hmm. that you read it. Well, to right? go back to the question of why people post things online, like, I think a big part of it is that people want to feel like they're part of the conversation. Exactly. Like, the internet has allowed us to talk with people about very specific things in a way that, like, mm -hmm. 30 years ago or, like, before the internet was, was widespread, you may have had trouble talking about, like, even looking at, like star wars in like the 1970s and stuff like when it came out it was kind of like a cult thing that eventually you know became one of the most popular movie series of all time mm -hmm. but if you were seeing it right when it was released you may have been like only the, like one of a handful of people in your town that had seen it and so if you want to have like a cool in-depth conversation about it because obviously people like talking about yeah i mean i guess with enjoy. like a new hope like with yeah. the first movie yeah with the but first movie the, i mean the first one i don't know if there's like massive spoilers i think if we're talking about spoilers in star wars it would no, be more of like but the I was just, yeah back. and i just meant more i just mean more in general like using star wars as a reference point of like a kind of niche thing that started out very mm -hmm. niche and people would have wanted to talk about it i think and they would have had to find people yeah and, and it would have been more difficult to find people. And now than it's it so is easy. Now. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And no, that's true. So yeah, I think 
I agree in that people post spoilers online because they want to be a part of this cultural movement, you yeah. know, and or or not a movement, more like they just the moment. Be, they want to be, be in the, the moment. Conversation. And, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and it's exciting to be a part of it that. Is. And I know? think it's inevitable and, that people are going to want to talk about it. Again, especially with like any of these major events like even just how sports can be spoiled for people. I mm-hmm. think it's really interesting like my cousin over the summer is like a huge Blue Jays fan and if she didn't have time to like sit down and watch the game from start to finish, she would wait until she had, you know, like 3 hours on hand or whatever to to finish the whole game and yeah. she would have to avoid the internet all day because she didn't want to know uh who won it and that's such a hard thing especially mm-hmm. like when you live in the city that that sports team is playing in like, yeah that's and and that actually leads into the next thing that i was thinking about mm-hmm. is really then if you miss you know event an event television show or something mm-hmm. or you're slow at reading a big book like like me <laughs> yeah, me too <laughs> yeah is is the onus on you to protect yourself from spoilers or is the onus on the people who have already experienced it to at least understand that not everyone has seen this yet or not everyone has finished reading this yet and we shouldn't just well throw spoilers out. I think it's like, for me, I think that the onus is more on the individual mm. because it's too hard to... You can't realistically expect every single person who maybe planned appropriately for consuming whatever they're about to talk about to hold off on ever talking about it online or anywhere that someone else could see it. Yeah. And like, I think especially because the place where you're most likely going to be spoiled is online. I don't think it's as likely to happen to you just out there in the world. Mm-hmm. I think that the onus is on you to avoid the, sp- the places where you think that this could be discussed. I think that if you have friends who like watch it, I think the onus then is if you ask them, like, please don't spoil this for me. I haven't watched it yet. Like, I'm going to watch it by this day, and then we can totally talk about Mm -hmm. it, and, like, it'll be all good. Um, I think that that is a bit more on the other side, like, when you actually know them and have a a commitment to them. Um, But in general, I think, yeah, it's 90% on the person who hasn't had the time to finish it. Right, so you think that because it's inevitable that if this is big event viewing Mm -hmm. people are going to post spoilers and talk about it for sure i don't you you just need to avoid the internet yep until well you need to avoid the internet or this is also fascinating to me um people are starting to help you so that you can use the internet uh and not be spoiled so there's this there's this new app that was uh designed that works in google chrome Mm -hmm. and i think it's got like uh, I've got it written down here. The name is kind of s- stupid. I think it's called Spoiler Alert. Mm-hmm. And essentially what it is, is it's a plugin that you download. Um, it goes into like your toolbar on Google Chrome, and then you can select stuff for it to block for you. So if a website mentions anything like this, it'll wor- it works like a pop-up blocker, essentially, where you'll go to the website. It'll say, hey, there's a spoiler about like Walking Dead on this site. Mm-hmm. Are you sure you want to go to it? And then you can say yes. Um, interesting. It's really interesting. So, yeah, just in preparing for this, like, it, an article about it was only published, like, a few days ago, so it's, like, a really recent thing. Yeah. But I just find it so interesting that this has become such a widespread problem for people, that we are now developing technology. <laughs> this, they, these people could have taken their time to develop anything, and they developed something that actually I find very beneficial. Like, yeah, exactly. you're trying to like miss us or keep your eye off a sports score or whatever like it allows you to put a lot of stuff in you can even 
avoid news about like Donald Trump. So it it kind of works as just like an information blocker. Right. So it like, it can block anything. Yeah. Really. So that's an interesting app mm-hmm. if it works. Mm-hmm. I do wonder though, you know, if I'm I want to avoid the Walking Dead spoilers because I can't watch the episode for a few days. Mm-hmm. Do I just put that in and does it block all Walking Dead content from me or uh, does it Probably. Yeah, okay. So, so it's, but it's one of these things where like if you're trying to avoid being spoiled for the Walking Dead, you would have had to be trying probably avoiding those sp- those web spaces anyway. Right. Due to the fact that you could go there, but there's always a risk. And this just gives you like uh, almost like a second thought of like, mm-hmm. okay, you want to go check out the Walking Dead like fan page. That's fine. But you should know that there's spoilers about the Walking Dead on the Walking Dead fan page. And right. it just gives you a chance to maybe opt out and be like, oh, I forgot. Like, I don't want to spoil this for myself. Interesting. That's actually a very cool technology. It and is. it is. It's interesting that this has become such a big problem uh-huh. that there are apps. But it's kind of, just thinking about it right now, it's also got a weird component to it that I think we've kind of touched on in other episodes, which is the idea of, like, blocking information that we don't want to see. Mm-hmm. And how, if you were in the real world and two people at, like, the bus stop are talking about, like, The Walking Dead or Game of Thrones, you can't, you could, you can't really do anything about it. Or you like, could, I mean, it depends. It depends. But it would, prob- it would probably be too late before mm-hmm. you could say anything. Yeah. Um, I just find it really interesting that it's, yeah, we have more tools to almost, like, narrow the amount of information that we're being presented because at, like, the birth of the internet, we had too much information almost. And, like, we're slowly finding ways to, like, filter stuff to better serve our own lives. Information is too easily accessible. (laughs) I think it's good that it's too easily accessible. No, I know. But it does require you to... This is one instance where, because it's so easily accessible, Mm -hmm. it can actually cause you harm yeah but that leads to another thing i just wanted to touch on Mm -hmm. is the question that or about whether being spoiled can increase your enjoyment in regards to viewing something do you think that 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 there can be a reverse effect i think there can like just in my own case um i'm not a big horror movie fan so being spoiled on even like because if we just consider spoilers to be like no knowledge of twists or knowledge Mm -hmm. of like big surprises that you wouldn't expect or even the plot yeah like generally yeah i think that for someone like me um that can really help going into horror movies because then i can gauge if like i will be able to tolerate this or if i think it sounds like it's too much Mm -hmm. so having someone like you who's seen saw for example and just having someone who's like okay uh this movie is like scary but it's not really too too gory and like it's like realistically knowing you i think you can handle it right in a way that is kind of spoiling it for yourself because you don't have the tension that you would have if you were just seeing it by yourself in the theater but it doesn't give away so much that i can't enjoy it if that makes sense right okay Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense how about for you though i mean i think generally being spoiled is a negative thing I think, you know, there's something to be said about going into something and not knowing much about it and being surprised and following along with the plot. And it's more exciting that way. But I do think that there can be some benefit to um, experiencing things when you've been spoiled. I know that just for different TV series or random things that I have been spoiled for. I mean, for example, I read the Game of Thrones books after watching a few seasons of the show. Mm-hmm. and. I was able to see how the pieces were being set up 
for later um, reveals. And that's that's exciting and interesting in itself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I don't know if, you know, my net benefit, like if it's a better, if it's better off that I was spoiled or if it's better off that I was unspoiled, yeah. you know, like I think that I got some enjoyment despite being spoiled for new reasons, but I think I probably would have enjoyed it more. Yeah. Going in totally unspoiled, right? Yeah, I think that so, in, when it comes to spoilers, sometimes ignorance can really be bliss in that mm-hmm. um, you don't have anything to compare it to and it manages your expectations without you knowing it. Yeah. Um, and actually, on this, this is kind of a perfect transition in to book adaptations. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, because you're talking about, you know, knowing the source material that later media was developed off of. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I guess just off the top of your head, would you say that Game of Thrones was a good adaptation of the books? Uh, you could get me talking about Game of Thrones for a three-hour yeah. podcast, <laughs> but yes, I think it's in general a successful adaptation, and I think there are lots of really good adaptations. I mean, I'm thinking of like Lord of the Rings, um, the Hunger Games uh, movies. I thought were have been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but then there's also, like, bad adaptations that I can think of. Yeah. Right now, I was just trying to think of them off the top of my head. Like, the Hobbit trilogy, which right. I, I was disappointed in. I, I didn't really like The Great Gatsby. And then there's some more in the middle, like The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. And so... Well, so for you, then, what makes um, a good adaptation? That's hard. I mm-hmm. think it's not one thing, you know? And I think, just going back to what you were talking about, just to lead us into this, the fact that... For some of those, I was spoiled in that I had read the book uh, series before, and then so I had expectations going into it. That could have affected how I experienced those um, adaptations, too. Mm-hmm. So, but I, it's hard for me to pinpoint one, like, there's one reason why an adaptation is successful. I think right. it's just a big, varies, a bunch of factors, and it varies. On yeah, an I mean, basis. yeah, would you agree, or, or what do you think makes a good ad- adaptation? Yeah, um, I agree, like, for the most part. I think that a general rule of thumb is successful adaptation, in my opinion, either kind of captures, like, the essence of the original material mm-hmm. or further develop it, develops it in a way that I maybe hadn't noticed before. So the example I'm thinking of is The Hunger Games, which you said, I think, that a good was one. a good one. I like that. And yeah. I agree with that. Um, and I agree with it to the point where... I think the movies are actually better than the books. And I think that the movies did a better job of maybe portraying that world than the books did to the Mm -hmm. point where I actually feel like I had more emotional resonance with the story in the film version than I did with the book version. Because the book version, especially like the second one, I found underwhelming, whereas movie movie two was really, really good. So for me, I found that that was a kind of weird scenario where all of the materials were the same, but the presentation, because it was different, it's almost like cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, you had all these raw materials, and instead of making just normal spaghetti, you made, like, baked spaghetti. And it was, like, really delicious, and uh-huh. I was like, oh, like, you basically have the same stuff, but it just tastes different, and yeah. it's different to me. Well, that's a series that I think the people add up adapting the books actually had it pretty easy, because those books aren't that long. Mm-hmm. They each have, like, they're each self-contained in that they have, like, their own plot um, that works as one (laughs) novel and then the overarching story. And 
because it's not a super detailed, super long book, I think that it translates well on screen in a two and a half hour long movie. So I agree, though, that that was a good adaptation, but I don't know if the degree of difficulty in adapting that series was as high as the later Harry Potter movies, for example, mm -hmm. where... So I think the, the first few Harry Potter movies, which were based on shorter books, were, in my opinion, generally pretty successful for what they were supposed to be. Especially, like, the third movie is mm -hmm. probably my favorite in the series. Oh, and great. Yeah, and it's... And as soon as you jump to the really big books, like yeah. the fourth book, that's where I think the quality starts diminishing. And I think that that's because the degree of difficulty of, ad of adapting that source material got a lot yeah. higher. But that's why it's so more impressive um, when someone like Peter Jackson comes along and at least with the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, mm -hmm. for the most part, those movies are like insanely well-received. Yes. Um, and he somehow managed to be very true to the source material to the point where he has all these insane hours of additional footage of yeah. stuff that never <laughs> even made it, but he did it just because he's such a huge fan. Mm -hmm. That, in comparison to how kind of poor The Hobbit was in terms of just, just functioning as a movie oh, yeah, and how too. it was received, mm -hmm. um, I find very interesting. So in that case, would you say that, is it just because The Hobbit maybe shouldn't have been adapted? Well, so, okay, I... I agree that, like, The Lord of the Rings is a very good example of, you know, a successful adaptation, and that's one where I think the degree of difficulty was high, mm -hmm. because those books are longer than, you know, and The very, Hunger Games, and, and they're so much more complicated, and that, I mean, we could pick this apart, um, and it would, you know, take a lot of time, but I'm sure there are many reasons why that's a successful adaptation, and he just did it right, mm -hmm. and... The Hobbit, I think actually the degree of difficulty in adapting that wasn't that high. It's, right. a, it, it's a children's book, and yes. I loved that book when I was a kid. And I think that adaptation um, failed because it tried to stretch out the source material mm -hmm. into, um, into a longer running time than it needed. So you would say that maybe it didn't stay true to the original essence, which is that it's a kid's book and it probably only needed to be about as, lo as long as a kid's movie okay yeah no i i agree yeah it yeah, didn't stay I was, with I was just it, yeah no that's but that makes sense then with the point you're making earlier for mm -hmm. sure it didn't feel like what i read when i was a kid but but why should that matter for anyone who hasn't read the books because the hobbit movies themselves weren't that well received anyways yeah it so, is an interesting kind you know of... not everyone reading or watching those uh movies saw the books so there was something missing in that that wasn't just you know bringing in the essence from the original story mm -hmm. i think there were other problems yeah. with it for sure and like right? and with any movie i mean you can't like a movie can fail for a lot of reasons beyond just how true or not true you state to the source material mm -hmm. like movies are very complicated projects they it could be anything from the way it's designed, the way it's shot, any like there's a million things that go into it. However, I yeah. just think this is a very interesting um, thing to consider when watching adaptations is, am I enjoying this because it stayed true to it, or would it benefit from not being so by the book? And right. again, I think it's a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah, I agree. And I think, actually, the fan expectations are a really um, big reason why you could enjoy or not enjoy mm -hmm. an adaptation. And I think 
And that's a good point in that if an adaptation tries to go right by the book, then they're going to get crucified if they mess parts up or Mm -hmm. if they omit things. But if, like in The Walking Dead, they um, do a style where they're loosely adapting the series, they're taking, you know, big plot points or big story arcs and using them whenever they can put it into the story, you know, like it's a way more loose adaptation. Okay. Then fans don't expect you to go so they just don't expect that it's going to be so much like the original and then that can uh give you a little bit more leeway right. in, in in your style of adoption so, or adaptation yeah. right so, so it's it's learning to manage expectations i mean I, again, yeah. i've never seen the walking dead but this sounds similar to kind of uh where the wild things are right yeah as a movie like i really enjoyed that movie but obviously it's not the same as the books because it's much longer and there's a whole other story i mean again it's similar to the hobbit in that they took a children's book and literally it's like a 20 page children's yeah, book. yeah however i think that was a successful mm-hmm. adaptation of a yeah. children's book and i would argue that it was successful in part just because it somehow captured the essence of it to the point where you feel like oh this is familiar but obviously it's not the same but like the the core of it and the message that it's trying to get across mm-hmm. is conveyed appropriately. Well, another thing is too, I just think these need to be good movies in themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, because I never read Where the Wild Things Are. I didn't mm-hmm. know what was the source material and oh. I don't care about the essence when mm-hmm. I'm just going to watch, of the, yeah. of the original, um, when I'm going to watch the movie. So that kind of leads into another thing though, because adaptations obviously then have two two really clear uh, sets of audiences going into um, watching them. There's the people who have read the source material and the people who haven't, Mm -hmm. right? And so the creator or the adapter needs to cater to these two groups to Mm -hmm. a certain extent. And so I actually think, just as we're talking about this more, I think some, like the way that, a big way to create a successful adaptation is to balance the expectations of both the hardcore or fans or the people who have read it and the people, Mm -hmm. the mass audience. And who I would generally say, you know, is the unwashed. Yeah. The masses. (laughs) Like it's, they're generally going to be the bigger group, the people who haven't read the source material. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to balance their expectations and balance their enjoyment, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think a good adaptation is able to, make both groups happy yeah i think people just need to make good work they just yeah, need to make stuff yeah, yeah. That, that people like i think it sounds so basic but it's like even with like the hobbit i mean having seen part of that movie or trilogy or whatever it is mm-hmm. it just felt bloated in the movie so right. don't yeah. make bloated stuff that's just so self-indulgent the, although okay so i can't think of a specific example of this but you said you know, they just got to make a good movie, mm-hmm. right? But I don't know if that will satisfy everyone because if you, you could make a really, really, really good movie that's going to appeal to the masses mm-hmm. um, based on some, you know, uh, some brand. Um, but if there's this really vocal minority who's pissed off because you completely changed so much mm-hmm. of it, I don't know if that would necessarily be seen as a successful Well, I don't think that it's possible to make something, I don't think it's possible to make something that makes the hardcore fan base mad that will be well received in um, the real world. Like just thinking Mm -hmm. about how it works, I think that like with stuff that's kind of geekier because this is just where Hollywood is at right now and they adapt things that, you know, have hardcore kind of fantasy sci-fi followings. Yep. 
every time that they don't stay true to the source material, the hardcore fans let the world know, like, hey, this isn't what we wanted, and this is not a thing. I mean, I think they do that if the expectation is that it's going to be an adaptation that's pretty straightforward. Right, well, like, any... I don't think that happens with The Walking Dead, for Yeah, example. but changing any sort of major plot ideas and i don't think and i think everyone is smart enough to know not to do this like i can't think of an example really where a movie just went so away from the source material that it totally destroys you know what it was originally right okay so i think that i think that yeah it's just a case where you're not ever gonna please everybody but i think that as long as you get like a good majority of the hardcore fans on board with you and get enough enough of the masses Mm. then you're probably fine in terms of creating a good movie and i also don't think it's possible to create a good movie using source material that doesn't stick true for the most part to the original like even with Mm. the walking dead you said that they hit the major plot points they do it when it's convenient for them but they still do it yeah yeah they do. so i imagine and i imagine that the the times when they don't hit the plot points is when everyone is unhappy and the show is getting, you know, slammed by critics. I mean, I think it's probably a mix. Uh, and obviously now I don't watch the show anymore. So I, right. and I wasn't a huge fan of the comics or anything, so I don't know how closely mm-hmm. they did it. But I, I don't know. I think if there's good television only content, people aren't going to be up in arms. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. you good? I think we're good. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, so let's move into our final topic for the week recommendations all right you want to start sure so i i don't know if i can fully recommend this yet but last night uh before i went to bed i threw on the scream remake on netflix mm-hmm. well it's originally an mtv series but it's kind of being branded as a netflix is this original. the one is this scream and, queens or is this something else it's no it's not scream queens okay. and this is kind of yeah it's there's two very similar shows out right now um scream being based on the scream franchise though like okay. the 90s horror movies with you know there was scream 4 a few yeah, years with, ago with nev campbell uh yeah <laughs> and um and then there's Scream Queens out right now, which I've heard like pretty good things about too. Right. Um, and I might watch at some point. <laughs> yeah. But anyways, I watched the first episode of Scream last night, and it was pretty entertaining. It was, I mean, it's the acting wasn't great. It was, I don't know. It it felt very MTV, mm-hmm. you know, if that can be a, a feeling you can get from a show. But it was very um. Like kind of juvenile, is that what you mean, or just kind of like, like shiny and yeah, like, like good looking and people like, and just you know kind of yeah, it's like the equivalent of like TV junk food. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's all all filler. And yeah, like, yeah, okay. But it had, I mean, if I I don't know if you remember or watched the original Scream movies, but uh, um, I think I've seen the original one. I haven't. seen Oh, okay. It well, like Jamie Kennedy's character in that is mm-hmm. basically he serves as like a commentator on. Um, the rules that exist in the um in the world that they're in so he says like oh we're in a horror movie you can't go outside or like when they're in a sequel Mm -hmm. he says okay well now here's the rules of the sequel and right and then in scream 4 he or actually he wasn't in scream 4 but they had someone with his role saying here's the remake rules Mm -hmm. and they have another character in the tv show saying okay this is weird now because horror movies don't like or horror as a genre it's really difficult to adapt to tv okay so but he's like acknowledging this to you he's like we need to he's saying like if this is a tv show they're gonna have to change it up because in horror movies it's like 90 minutes and people start dying like right away Mm -hmm. and 
that doesn't work for a full season of television, no. right? You're gonna and run so, out of characters. Exactly. And he was saying it was it was it was it ended very in a very cool way, I thought, because he was like narrating to this girl who is his friend saying, you know, everyone here has secrets, like everyone here could be a suspect and everyone here could die but we're not you're not going to care if anyone dies unless we like build it up mm -hmm. and we make you care about these people over time you know and then when the bloodbath comes at the end then you'll care <laughs> yeah. right and i and i was like okay this is i mean despite the flaws this is this could be interesting yeah. so i'm i'm excited to see where it goes awesome yeah my recommendations for the week then uh first off uh, the 1975 are probably my favorite current active band, mm -hmm. um, and they're gearing up for LP number two, and they just released uh, the first music video for that LP for the song called Love Me, Okay, and I think it's uh, pretty much everything I hoped it would be, and then some. You want to talk about, like, meta commentary, like, this band is very meta for what they're doing, like, they are both totally aware of what they're doing and are totally going into what they're doing, if that makes sense. Like, they yeah. are just basically unabashed pop stars, but they're smart enough to know that none of this matters or something like that. Like, it's very hard to describe. Okay. Um, but the song is great, and the video is super fun and kind of like a twisted nod to some of their previous work. So as a super fan, like I found it like very enjoyable and very fulfilling to mm -hmm. watch it. And it's actually like, I've watched it like multiple times since nice. it's been released. Okay, cool. Um, and then the only other thing I have to recommend is um, this band that's actually on the same label as the 1975 called The Japanese House. Um, it's this like 19 year old singer songwriter technically from England, but she doesn't sound like a singer songwriter. So she has this very like lush relaxing kind of poppy music that kind of sounds like a mix of like image and heap with like more electronics and sometimes more guitars okay um and she just is gearing up to release her second ep that's called uh i think it's called clean or cool blue one of the two i mean those are both song titles on it um and so she's released all four tracks from that ep mm -hmm. and they're all super good and i pre-ordered a special variant of like the lp and i'm really excited to nice. get it yeah well fun cool um well i guess that's it for this week um we actually haven't released any of these yet but by the time you're listening they will uh hopefully be coming out you know on a weekly basis yeah that's the so, plan so yeah if uh you like it tell your friends keep listening and yeah uh we'll talk to you later thanks